the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Legacy podcast where the San Antonio practice bats that fly around the Spurs stadium proved that they could play better defense than the Lakers tonight as the Lake Show lost. They lost by 40 points, 94 to 134. Season high. (laughs) That's all, folks. They gave up a season high 134 points to the San Antonio Spurs. Speaking of bats, though, Zubats played pretty well tonight, don't you think? At least. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I wish I could play a little better, uh, a little better defense, but uh, it's fun to go out there and uh, play for Lakers. Hey, he actually played some pretty solid defense. Probably the only sort of defense that we saw tonight at all. So That's true. Give yourself some credit, Zuby. Come on. Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah, it was nice seeing Zoolander come off the bench for a little bit and uh, <laughs> and actually play really well on both ends. So then you got to find some flashes out of a game like that, right? Before we get started, though, <laughs> please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that's how many times Damian Lillard will say the word elbow in his next rap song, complaining <laughs> about D'Angelo's slick elbows. Which I don't even know what the term slick elbows means, but sure. <laughs> I'm gonna assume he kind of meant like like uh, sly. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to sneak him in there. <laughs> But slick, like, you know, D'Angelo puts lotion on those elbows and like, <laughs> makes, makes them real slick for the opponents. Um, but anyway, speaking of rating and reviews, Alan, tonight I want you to read tonight's iTunes review as Uncle P. But here's a scenario. Yeah. This is Uncle P whispering to his son a bedtime story because he doesn't want to wake up Uncle Gilbert, who's sleeping on the couch right outside. So with all that said, there you go. That's a great situation. All right, let's do this. 
This this one is gonna come from a uh, guy named uh, Sam. Shh, quiet, quiet. <laughs> Uncle Hibachi over there trying to sleep. All right, so the San Diego Clippers. I mean, San Diego Chargers. Oh, they don't even there no more. All right. Hey, anyway, all right. Here we, here we go. It's a dope podcast. I love listening to you guys. Keep it up. I'm from San Diego, but I have mad love for the Los Angeles Lakers. Can y'all at least send us the Clippers so we can have a team, though? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. All right, now, now, y'all, now y'all go to sleep. All right, wake you up. That, that loves you. All right, bye. <laughs> oh, man, that was our best reading yet. Uncle P trying to whisper his son a bedtime story because he can't sleep, but he also has to be mindful of Uncle Hibachi on the couch. I mean, all of that was perfect. That was by at Vice underscore McNasty. Thanks, at Vice underscore McNasty for that review. We read that specifically in honor of San Diego. Condolences to the city of San Diego for losing the Chargers. Thanks for reading that, Alan. Um, but I'd like to ask you before we get started with the basketball stuff. I know you're a Chargers fan and a Packers fan. Yep. But what does the move to Los Angeles do for you? Does it make you a bigger Chargers fan, or do you not care, or do you feel bad for San Diego? I definitely feel badly. Um, I worked for the San Diego Chargers for a little bit a few years ago, um, doing a season ticket and group sales. And... Mm. Uh, you know, the market down there is, is difficult to reach out to because there are a lot of transplants, just like all of Southern California. But for the fans that do show up, um, they're great. You know, they're they're very dedicated to their team. I would say between them and the San Diego Padres, um, they're definitely number one as far as sports go. So it's mm-hmm. it's really sad. And the stadium down there, Qualcomm, is, is not great. Um, a lot of issues there. And uh, unfortunately things couldn't be worked out. Um, so yeah, I, I feel bad for the community for sure. I think they, they belong in San Diego. I mean, 56 years, that's really sad to see them go. Uh, as far as me as a fan, I mean, yeah, I, I, first and foremost, you know, I'm a Packer fan. I would say 100% of me is Packer fan. As far as mm-hmm. the charger side, it's like, well, they're in the AFC, so doesn't really affect me unless they meet in the Super Bowl. But um, I pull for the Chargers because they're local. It doesn't make me more or less of a fan, honestly. Mm. Um, the only way it might make me a little bit more of one is they're definitely going to be on television uh, every right. weekend on CBS. So there's a little more accessibility. But um, definitely not going to root against them, you know, just because the owners got some, you know, cheapskate tendencies, I guess. Uh, so yeah, that's, those are my general sentiments. Right. As if LA couldn't be any more crowded, right? Seriously. We got the, uh, Lakers, Clippers, USC, UCLA, the Kings, and maybe that, maybe the Ducks will come, <laughs> come down here too. Kings, Ducks, Dodgers, Dodgers, Angels, Lakers, we'll two of Clippers, the two MLS teams, you got Galaxy and LAFC. Um, yeah, you literally have two of every single team, except for WNBA, just the Sparks. But, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I I, forgot, I was listening to somebody and they were saying, you know, last year, zero football teams in L.A. Everybody's complaining. Now we have two football teams in L.A. Yeah. And everyone's complaining. <laughs> so <laughs> go figure. Can't have it you, all. You can't make us Angelinos happy. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Um, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see uh, how the fans kind of 
divide themselves and if some of those San Diegans will make that drive up. Um, but I would totally understand if a lot of them are feeling bitter. My coworker, Courtney, she's from San Diego. She loves San Diego. Yeah. She grew up in San Diego. She loved the Chargers. And the first thing she did when she found out the news was she he cha- she changed her profile picture to her in a San Diego Chargers um, t-shirt. And then she wrote the breakup, hashtag believe no more. Ooh. And it's B-O-L-I-E. V-E, you know, oh, we'll leave uh-huh, no more. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Because um, they had a campaign when with, uh, what's his name, Philip Rivers in the front, and it says believe, but... Uh, the bolo tie. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So she's pretty uh, broken up about it. So yeah, that sucks. But from what I hear with the dynamic with the Chargers and the Rams history and whatnot, it seems like the Chargers are going to be the new Clippers and the Rams will still sort of be the more premier team. But yeah, we'll see. All right, with that said, we do have Lakers games to catch up on, unfortunately. But before we get into that, some Lakers. And now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the Geico app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the Geico app. Look it in the mouth. Get amazing services. Thank you. This news. We heard over the weekend that, or over the last couple of days, and this is from Wojnarowski, that the Lakers maybe were kind of interested in Paul Millsap. Since then, the Atlanta Hawks have said, oh, we're not going to put him on the table anymore. I think they were getting a bunch of backlash from fans who were like, why the hell did you trade Corver? Don't you dare trade Paul Millsap. So now they've kind of rescinded their initial talks of putting Paul Millsap on the trading block. So that's not even a possibility anymore. But... Apparently, Mitch was, quote-unquote, curious about Paul Millsap. So my only question to that was, I'm curious what Mitch was even thinking of offering at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, like, can you can you even come up with a package that would work for Millsap? That would work for both teams? Um, no. <laughs> what's, what's his contract? He's, he's an unrestricted free agent, so he'd be right, a free agent this right, summer. Right. So there's, there's no one that you could, uh, you'd honestly, to get Millsap for the Hawks to, like, pony up, you'd yeah. probably have to give away one of the young core pieces you know like randall or nance definitely and then like a first round pick lou williams well not they don't even want lou williams so it would probably have to be jordan clarkson and randall or something mm-hmm. stupid like mm-hmm. that so at that yeah. point i think mitch is just was probably just wondering like what what do you want for Millsap? but in the back of his mind mitch is like i, I can give you lou williams and zubats probably you know right right just engage um, it and see yeah on those same lines there was also news that the lakers have also been interested in nerland's noel for all the obvious reasons, because the Sixers have to get rid of one of their 50 bigs, and the Lakers could use a guy exactly in the mold of Nerlens Noel. The problem is, it's also been said that Mitch doesn't want to part with any of the young guys, which leads me to the question again, <laughs> what, what exactly are we giving up for Nerlens Noel here, Alan? Um, shoot, man, if that's the case, I mean... And Philly's on playoff contention, so in terms of us floating out Lou Williams out there all the time, helping uh, one of those fringe teams with scoring off the bench, that doesn't even make any sense. Um, Unless he doesn't consider Jordan Clarkson a young guy, (laughs) seeing as he's (laughs) in his third year and he's in his mid-20s, but otherwise... I have no idea how he would manipulate a deal like that. 
for all of these scenarios where it says Mitch is interested, I think in the back of his head, he's re- really trying to figure out what can I get for Lou, Zubats, and a future first rounder. <laughs> sure. And he's, sure. he's definitely probably not going to get Nerlens Noel. I think if he inserted Clarkson into that debate, it would make a lot more sense. Maybe Clarkson and Zubats would make sense. But yeah. I don't think a deal could get done between both teams if Mitch is just saying, I'm not giving up any young guy. And the only young guy I could potentially give up is the guy who just played eight minutes and scored eight points or whatever tonight, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's nothing wrong with exploring the market and trying to gauge things. And if in the media that comes out as being interested, then so be it. Yeah, and also, I think it's it's smart to not let anything leak, because even if he was interested in shopping jordan clarkson why would you ever let that out you know what i mean so so right now it's really no news if anything it's interesting that there are even reports that mitch is interested given that he said it doesn't seem like we're going to make any movement this trade deadline so at least we we see that he's exploring all of his options which is a good thing right now it seems like he's keeping all of his cards close to his vest pretty much so we will just have to see so you know tommy's not with us here tonight but you know he has his own opinions and he is on board 100 with trading for noel i mean we had a podcast about this we're pretty much all on board yeah. for trading noel and if it just took jordan clarkson we do that at this point though i don't know if um you know so the sixers would do that for just jordan clarkson tommy said i'd probably move nance for noel mm. but they don't really need more fours with simmons and sarich but he said to the extent we can move nance for one these young athletic fives like Noel. Um, I'd also try and trade Nance for Willie Colley Stein, which is something he's brought brought up before. My question to you is: Would you trade Nance for I, any of those two guys? Um, for me, I think Willie Colley Stein a definite no because I don't. We don't even know what Willie Colley Stein can do. Noel, I, I'm more amenable to making that type of trade just because we already know what noel can do and what he can do is become a number one center defender in the nba you know in a couple years because he's already shown flashes of that but if it was nance for willie collie son i think that's leaving too much to uh potential and upside and the unknown because we really haven't seen what Willie Colley Stein can do for 28 minutes in 82 games a whole season pretty much with Larry Nance you know we also don't know what he can do but that's a good thing you know what I mean Mm -hmm. for Willie Colley Stein it's like really unsure so what about you yeah I agree with that um as far as for Noel clearly we're lacking in the bigs department (laughs) right now I mean if you watch the game today against the Spurs um Mm -hmm. We couldn't guard. We couldn't guard Powell or Lamarcus Aldridge to save our lives because Tark Black is literally one head shorter than Powell Gasol, and then you have yeah. Luol Deng guarding him at some point. So we could definitely use some help. And then Timofey Mozgov just picks up fouls and bunches almost every game and barely plays any minutes. So we do need help down there. And uh, but yeah, obviously, what would Philly do with Larry Nance Jr.? Um, yeah. As far as Willie Cauley Stein, I mean, I really liked him when he was in college because there aren't very many seven footers in college. So, of course, he's going to dominate and look amazing, but he has health issues and he has played very sparingly so far to start his career. So, it is a huge unknown, and you'd be going off of blind potential for the most part. With Larry, like you said, do we really know what we're getting in him yet? No, but I think we have a better idea, and that idea is a good one. So, yep. for that, I would probably tend to play it safe and be more conservative because when would you regret keep Larry keeping Larry Nance exactly um so for that I I wouldn't trade for him and also with the Willie Colley Stein thing you know it's funny because Tommy reminded me that Willie Colley Stein's middle name is Trill 
Oh, dude, Do you that's right. That? <laughs> I totally forgot. After he said that, I was like, oh my god, it's fate. We're getting Willie Collie, Willie Collie Trillstein? Willie Trill Collie Stein? I don't even know how, to, how, what, how it works. <laughs> Willie Collie, Willie Trill Collie Stein? Yeah, because Collie, Collie Stein Trill. are his two last names. So yeah, Willie Trill. <laughs> Willie Trill. <laughs> Dude, you know what? Never mind. I rescind everything I just said. <laughs> I would absolutely trade for Willie Trill. Oh man, yeah. But being serious though, outside of that tidbit, you know, outside of it probably being fate, I think we also have to consider outside of just on court basketball stuff, like Larry Nance, the culture shift between his effect on the culture, his attitude, his professionalism, and Willie Colley Steins is pretty much a 180. And that's not to say Willie Colley Steins a thug or anything, but it's just there's a clear difference in maturity level and how they uphold themselves that would drastically change if you swap both, you know? Mm. So we got to keep that into account as well. But with that said, yeah, we'll just have to see as we near the trade deadline whether any new tidbits come out. I personally, like you, would not trade Larry Nance. For me, he's almost like, we better be getting something really, really good that we know for sure has immense upside and potential. So, yep, we'll just have to see. Uh, Speaking of which, let's just get right into the last two games. And, you know, the Lakers have relapsed here. Um, in the second week of 2017, letting these third quarter starts really haunt them to death. Unfortunately, it seems like they're, they haven't learned their lessons yet. Really coming out flat in third quarters and just not being able to rebound from there, playing terrible defense. You know, the last two games, they haven't even cracked 100, which is the most disappointing part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Portland, they, they lost 87 to 108, couldn't even crack 100 at and home. And Portland is what, the second or fourth worst defensive team in the league, yeah. too. So, yeah. Yeah, man. So, and then obviously tonight it was, they couldn't do anything on offense. They couldn't do anything on defense. So, I mean, let's start, let's run over the Portland game really quickly. Outside of the first half, which was pretty fun, we had those D'Angelo Russell Bullets passes to, to Luau Dang, to Mozgov. He was hitting Randall on the pick and roll. He looked amazing the first half, even though he wasn't hitting his shot. He had six assists in the first half. And, you know, Stu Lance said something. He might have jinxed it. He was like, oh, he's going to get his career high in assists yeah. this game. And, and he didn't get another assist after that. <laughs> um, outside of him making amazing plays in the first half for others and Ingram scoring in double digits again, uh, 11 points and hitting two threes in the second half. There was really not a lot to take out of the Portland game outside of they really crumbled in the second half. Damian Lillard got himself going. You know, I I, I don't appreciate him making up stuff about D'Angelo trying to start fights with his elbows, which he wasn't trying to do at all. You know, mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell is just a taller guy. And I guess Damian was just getting bothered by the fact that he was getting bullied in the post. And, you know, there may have been some unintentional elbows thrown there but you know it wasn't anything malicious but Damien kind of took it the wrong way and honestly in my opinion I think he was just looking for something to fire himself up you know the same way that uh, Kobe would do and it worked in his favor because he said yo man don't don't elbow me like that got all up in D'Angelo's chest D'Angelo seemed confused by it but <laughs> from there D- Damien just kind of internalized that and you know he, he carried through with that and you know ended up playing really well after that and helped the Blazers win that game. So what were your takeaways from the Blazers game? Yeah, um, based on the first half and like how D'Angelo was playing, I was really confident we were going to win, actually. His vision was as good as we've seen it over the last mm-hmm. two years, and there was a potential there for him to really have a career night, like Stu was saying. Um, I, yeah, I was extremely impressed with him hitting cutters and him even doing the mamba underbite face um oh yeah yeah i mean 
when we've seen D'Angelo look that confident in himself, good things happen. And Lou Dang is like running the wing like he's 20 years old. And yeah, I was feeling really good about it. And then we had our 12-point third quarter, you know, and you, you could tell after the, about the first five minutes of that uh, second half uh, that we were definitely losing our mojo. So yeah, that was really unfortunate. As far as D'Angelo kind of getting into it with Damian, I like that D'Angelo didn't back down, so to speak. Yeah, uh, he he didn't get super demonstrative with him. They just kind of talked it over <laughs> real quick, face to face. And uh, as far as Damian, I totally agree with you. I think psychologically, he needed a little boost, whether it was reality or not. All the matters that it, in his mind, he had uh, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. So, you know, it is what it is. And as far as a lot of people say, oh, D'Angelo poked the bear. And he woke him up when he was having an off night. I mean, I don't know what else D'Angelo was supposed to do in that right. moment if someone gets up in your face and starts saying something i mean i guess you could literally just do a 180 and walk away but right again because d'angelo is having a good game he's probably feeling himself a little bit and being confident so uh he went back at him and i don't know whether the two things are correlated or not as far as damien stepping it up but yeah yeah. I will say Damien's post game was kind of funny where he tried to talk a little tough and talk about Oh yeah. Hey, Let's take it out back basically. I'm from Oakland, baby. Oakland don't do it that way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, like yeah, what are you talking yeah. about. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's not like the guy was playing the dirtiest basketball in the history yeah, of the NBA. Not at all. Jeez. There wasn't even like a hook hook elbow or anything nah, like that. So nah. it's just really We've strange. Seen that... Much more egregious totally. stuff to go on. You know what I mean? He was trying to talk like the old Ron Artest or something. During yeah. that one interview, this is a tangent, but whatever. It was a bad night tonight. Um, <laughs> when Ron Artest was with Houston, and I, he got ejected. It might have been where he got into a Kobe. And he was like, man, you don't know some of the stuff I see on the basketball court before. I saw a guy got stabbed in the heart one time with a stool. Oh, yeah. I remember that story. <laughs> hey, so this is a far far cry from stabbed in the heart with a stool, Damien, because yeah. uh, you do Oakland and uh, Ron Artest will do crazy or whatever he does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, you know, I think for D'Angelo, I think the better response would have just been to laugh it off because literally he wasn't doing anything. That would have been more, that would have been funny because then he could have like made it a joke on Damon's like, what are you, what are you being so serious for, man? I agree. Yeah. That's silly. If he had had a little more maturity about him, I guess, just being older, he could have done like a and just walked away and that's it, you know? Yeah. And also, I think this helps him out because I think after that incident, you know, he probably he tried going back at Damian Lillard, but Mm. he unfortunately wasn't able to respond. Right. But hopefully he learns from this experience that and take it from a guy like Damian Lillard. Right. Sometimes you have to be a little crazy. Sometimes you have to make stuff up. And (laughs) the biggest thing is obviously backing it up, which is what Damian Lillard did. And hopefully D'Angelo can see that and be like, all right, I want to be able to do that next time and follow through. You know, if I'm going to be tough or, or man up and all that stuff. I want to be able to actually respond the right way on court, you know? Yep. And the way that Damian Lillard struggled the entire game, but just needed some sort of spark, anything to get him going. And he got it, even though it was totally untrue and fabricated. Hey, it works for him. So D'Angelo has to find his own little motivations and things that'll get him going there as well. He just wasn't able to uh, respond after that. In fact, it felt like he was just trying to force things in the second half, you know, just chucking up threes. Granted, they were good shots, but he just couldn't get it to fall. 0 for 7. He was 0 for 8 the last time in Portland. So 
we've been talking a lot about recently how proud we are of D'Angelo just driving it into the lane aggressively. And when your three-point shot's not falling, I wish we had seen a lot more of that in the second half, you know? Mm. Instead, he was just, let me just keep shooting these threes. Uh, So that was disappointing to see. But yeah, outside of that, there was really nothing going on in this this Portland game. Clarkson had only had 22 minutes, only had nine points. Lou Will only had 16 minutes. Um, Like we said, Brandon Ingram had 11 points, which was his third straight double-digit game. Almost had another one tonight with nine. Really, the story of the game for me was Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell forcing things in the second half of the Portland game. You know, Julius Randle was only two for nine. D'Angelo Russell was only four for 14. And also, Nick Young forced up a lot of bad shots. Um, He needs to do a better job of of shot selection in the Mm -hmm. new year here. But did you have anything else on this game? No, that's about it. Yeah. Also, obviously, CJ McCollum kills us every time down. Just hits all the shots on us. He's good. (laughs) He's really good. Yeah. All right. On to this Spurs game for some reason. (laughs) You know, we gave a season high 134 to the San Antonio Spurs. We did have a stretch in the second quarter where we cut the lead down to seven points and it looked like we would make a game out of it with four minutes left. And then the Spurs went on a crazy run once again. And then at halftime, we were like down by uh, like 12 points or something like that. Uh, Sorry, sorry. Halftime, we were down by a lot more than that. They had 72 and we had 54. Almost 20 points. Yeah, yeah. That, that came from that D'Angelo, let me foul Kawhi 60 feet away from the basket. Yeah, that was pretty stupid. Yeah. And second half, we started off one for six, and Luke Walton did that entire bench substitution, five in, five out, pretty much, because he was so disgusted at what he was seeing. And the Lakers quickly went from 20 to 30 to 40, and eventually we just ended up at 40 points. Outside of Julius Randle, who played an amazing game, you know, 22 points, 8 for 13 from the field, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 0 turnovers, yeah. uh, 1 steal. He was throwing some nifty passes out there. And he had one really nice one to Zubats in the fourth quarter for an open dunk. Outside of him, there was really nothing redeeming about this game at all. Nope. Oh, outside of Zubats, pretty much, and we'll get to him in a bit. But these last two games, the Lakers have really regressed. I was pretty happy to watch Pau Gasol tear us apart. It was kind of fun. I was totally okay with it. You know, he had 22 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 9 for 9 from the field. And then Kawhi Leonard was 10 for 13 from the field with 31 points. So combined, they were 19 for 22, which is so ridiculous. Yeah. but, you know, this was just one of those games where I knew we would lose anyways. I just hoped we'd be somewhat competitive and we'd be able to see flashes, quote-unquote flashes. But unfortunately, we weren't able to see any of that. And it was pretty much a lost game. I was hoping Brandon Ingram would be a little more aggressive than he was, especially once the game was out of hand. I was kind of felt like, all right, well, now it's your time. You know, you don't really have... There's nothing at stake here, so kind of just showcase your game. And he kind of uh, just turned the ball over in the fourth quarter and stuff and wasn't really able to get going. He was able to hit a jump shot on the elbow in the wing in the fourth, but outside of that, his second half jump shots were all over the place. I think he shot like two air balls and they were really, really off. Um, So that was unfortunate. I'm kind of concerned these days at how little minutes Clarkson is getting. Um, Lou Willard I'm okay with. He's had 17 and 16 the last few games probably due to the blowouts as well. But Clarkson, 23 minutes tonight. He only had 22 minutes the last night. And in 2017, Clarkson's minutes are, you know, 23, 22, 28, 31, 18, 17. You know, so he's only cracked the 30-minute mark once. So I kind of wish he'd get more minutes, and this goes back to me advocating for a Lou Will trade. You know, I'm okay if the Lakers keep Lou Will. It makes sense for culture and continuity and whatnot. But Luke Walton's already minimizing Lou Will's minutes, right? But Mm. even at that point, 
Jordan Clarkson still getting crunched for minutes here. So I'm hoping they can find a valuable trade for Lou Williams somehow to free up some minutes for Clarkson so he can start getting some run here and start getting into a groove. So what about you? What did you think of the game? And if any, if you had any other thoughts? I mean, as far as Clarkson tonight, <clears throat> I mean, he was second best player to Julius for sure. I think if yeah. we were in it, he probably would have gone to 30. I guess Luke just figured there's no point. I mean, Huerta's played 15 minutes, you know. But as far as those other games, I definitely agree with you. I, I wish Clarkson would get some more minutes. Um, but other than that tonight, yeah, I was very impressed with Julius getting the mid-range game going. He even had that one, like you said, it was one step inside the three-point line. And it looked really mm-hmm. good, too. Um, the arc was decent, as, as uh, Stu <laughs> Lance would say. And uh, he is doing that thing where he's getting in the paint about eight feet in and he'll do a little step back, fade away jumper. I think he's making a conscious effort to get to his spots because he's he's feeling it from that range. So that's really good to see. Julius continues to bring the ball up the floor, dump it off to somebody like a quarterback to a running back, kind of set a brush screen. And then usually there's a three-pointer following that, which is where he's getting a lot of his assists from. So it's been good to see Julius pick it up after he had one down game. D'Angelo to start, I thought was good. He was being really aggressive, getting in the paint, getting those floaters, uh, not too far into the paint, uh, about halfway in. Uh, And then, yeah, second half, he just could not find the basket at all. One kind of surprising thing, we had 23 assists on 35 field goal Mm. makes. So in terms of like a ratio, that's yeah. that's not terrible. We only had nine turnovers. So offensively tonight, I mean, there are definitely moments where we were not moving the ball enough. But the more disappointing thing, clearly 134 points by San Antonio is just the and... defense. It was pretty atrocious. I mean, San Antonio scored. Yeah, dude, they had 36 points in the first quarter, 36 points in the second quarter, 34 points in the third quarter. Like, man, that's I mean what are you going to do in Kawhi and power going off like that? I get it, but there are just so many lackadaisical moments where guys are not communicating very weak effort on just individual plays. You know, if we were to go back and highlight all of them, I I would say it was probably the, the weakest effort um, we've seen this far, uh, thus far this season. So pretty disappointing game, but I agree. It was great seeing (laughs) power with the resurgence tonight, try to, Trying to show Luke that he still got it. Dude, that one um, dunk he had? Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. I know. I, <laughs> He's like flying through yeah, the paint. Yeah, he flew dude. through the paint, jammed it down really hard, and then the camera caught him running back. I think he yelled something like, F, yeah, mother F, or something like that. I just saw like a really <laughs> excited. And that's a quote, something, right? Yeah, verbatim, verbatim, pal. No, yeah, but I, yeah. I'm E-F-F. pretty sure he said the F word because he was so pumped up. So I thought that was pretty funny. But, you know, good for pal. This is it probably does. one of his best yeah. performances in a Spurs uniform. But good for him, you know. Absolutely. Um, we allowed the Spurs to shoot 60%. That's the other thing. That's the crazy part. You know, they barely missed. There was barely any resistance at the rim or on the perimeter. So these last two games for the Lakers, it's hard to take anything away from them because they were such dumpster fire games and we got blown out in both of them in the second half that I'm not sure what to take away from them besides the fact that the Lakers have Mm. to rebound and it's unfortunate because you know that Portland game had actual playoff implications quote unquote right absolutely instead of being only down two games to Portland in the playoff run which is what we were at entering Tuesday's game the Lakers are now 
uh, 3.5 or 4 games back, you know. So that's what two losses gets you, especially one where it's a head-to-head matchup with Portland. So, yeah, the Lakers are... Yeah. yeah. Actually, no, the Lakers are, are full four games behind now. So it went from two to four. And like I said in the last podcast, just as easily as it is for us to only be two games out of the eighth seed, we also have the second-worst rec- like losses in the league. Yeah. That's how far we were yeah. from the bottom. So we're at 15 and 28. <laughs> Miami, who's the second worst team in the NBA right now, is 11 and 29. So we're only separated by one loss from them, you know? Yeah. And we're just as close to the bottom as we are to the top. That doesn't mean we're going to... There's no way the Lakers can tank because this is the player. these are the players we're going to play no matter what, you know? No. <laughs> how, how worse or better can we actually get? You know what I mean? I could tell you how. <laughs> it would be Huertas, Calderon, Meta, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that's not going to happen. So anyone thing about tanking and losing that pick and just forget Yeah, about but it. obviously the Lakers have to rebound from this disappointing relapse in 2017 that they've had the last two games. You know, in my perfect scenario, we would, would have beaten Portland on Tuesday and we would have carried that momentum to at least a competitive game tonight where we have a moral victory, you know? Unfortunately, yeah, that didn't happen yeah. and we have to play the Clippers on Saturday and this is the same Clippers team that we had to play on Christmas night and they didn't have Chris Paul and we beat them. So... They're definitely going to be out for revenge, and Chris Paul has been playing amazing since he's been back, and we're probably going to lose that yep. game. So hopefully we can just play better aesthetically um, on Saturday because yeah. we have a very be- very winnable game the next night against Detroit. So do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I have a question. Would you start playing Zubots a little bit? Here I would, man, because, I mean, how how it's hard to say if he's yeah. ready, obviously. Like, we're not there watching him in the D-League. And Billy Mack and Stu were saying they're really working with him on his pick-and-roll defense. And I could definitely imagine him struggling yeah. with that. No, let's talk about Zubats tonight. You know, eight points, four rebounds, yeah. only 14 minutes. But he was four for seven from the field. Had one really... Did you see that block? I did. Uh, they called it a steal for some reason, but he did that two-handed. He just snatched it out of the air with both yeah, of his snatched, hands. Yeah, and I guess they called that a steal, but he also had a, another block. He had two steals, one block, played really solid defense. He had like a hook shot in the lane. He had the second most rebounds on our team. That's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> he even had a really nice dime to Thomas Robinson, a really nice bounce pass for that dunk. It comes so naturally. Yeah. And he had another. He had a nice uh, mid-range jump shot that D'Angelo yep. like passed to him. So he pretty much put only 14 minutes, put on the full display of his offensive arsenal. So that yeah. was nice to see. I think that the way they're doing it right now is pretty good. I would keep continue to give him these limited minutes in garbage type situations, and then mm-hmm. once they see that he's more comfortable playing in the NBA. Then I would reinsert him into the actual lineup the way that they've been. Give some of Tarek's minutes to him, you know what I mean? I mean, how much mm-hmm. worse can he be from Tarek? I know Tarek's been playing well and he's been energetic and whatnot, but Zubat seems like a very controlled player if he's just not nervous, you know what I mean? Like tonight, yeah. when there was nothing at stake, you saw Zubat's playing. He wasn't biting on shot fakes or anything. He just stood his ground and was blocking shots like he did in Summer League in preseason. So especially towards the latter half of this year, I would totally begin reintroducing him into the, to the lineup and giving some of Tarek's minutes to him because yeah. he is he is able to deter shots in the paint you know more so than Tarek that's for sure so I would totally do that yeah so yeah I mean that's all for for this these games unfortunately we're if you don't sit in your lucky seat your team could lose so don't leave your lucky seat but do pick up your phone or computer and order b-dubs to go or if you've got a big group call in for the party menu that way you can order wings pick them up and get back to your lucky seat and if you do lose while sitting in your lucky seat, you can still feel lucky eating your feelings. Spicy feelings. Keep your superstitions. 
We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Yo, everybody get up. Everybody get up. Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Go, Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. We're not feeling too well, but like I said, Hopefully the Lakers can be competitive against the Clippers on Saturday and then against Detroit. Hopefully we win. And I actually have a new hashtag, Alan, that I want oh, people yeah? to uh, to relay to everybody else out there. You know, we have lit, trill. People are getting annoyed at us saying lit and trill, whatever. <laughs> but I think this will catch on. Hashtag flash the progress. Because oh. Oh, it, it's actually a phrase, right? That actually sounds like a phrase. And that's why trust yeah. the process works so well. Right. You could actually hear people saying, hey, you just flash some progress here, guys. You know, so I think it's something that you could say to anybody and they'd realize what that means without having to say, what's trill mean? What does yeah, that mean? At this point, we have people saying trust the process just all over the place. Right. Right. That phrase has become overused because of Philly. And we want, we want something original, something of our own. Yeah, and also we've just naturally been saying flash, flashes, and flash, sure. flash this, flash that. So I think it'll come very natural, naturally to, for people to say flash the progress, Lakers. Hashtag flash the progress. It also kind of sounds like trust the process, so it rolls off your tongue really well. So but better. Yeah, exactly. No, better, exactly. <laughs> so much better. And in a, in, a, in a weird way, it also harkens back a little bit to litness because you're flashing light. You know, it's flashes. It's kind of like that. Still still being lit in a, in a different way. So everybody, hashtag flash the progress. That's all we want to see from the Lakers, even in the losses, staying competitive, seeing bits and pieces of improvement from guys like Brandon Ingram, Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened the last two games, but these guys have to be resilient here and remember that 2017 is still a new year. We've still made tremendous strides and we just got to get back into a groove of things and trust each other once again and just play our asses off. You know what I mean? Yep. I guess my last question for you is, and we've gotten this from one of our followers on Twitter, and it goes back to the trading question and uh, what to do with, with Lou Williams. But in your opinion, and if you could yeah, describe for yourself... What percentage would you put it at with regards to Lou Williams that how valuable do you think he is to the Lakers quote unquote development and his place on the team in terms of culture and chemistry moving forward, regardless of whether or not that means he helps our playoff push? Like, do you think he's so integral to the quote unquote playoff push and developing the young guys this year that you wouldn't trade him? Would it be a Titanic like chaos for you if we traded Lou Williams? Williams, in your opinion, hmm, in terms of a percentage. So if the statement is Lou Williams is an, an integral part of this team, and if we were to trade him, it would be disastrous. So if I agreed 100%, then I mean it, I'd give it a I'd give it a 55%. Okay, 55% leading it, it'll shake things up. Yeah, I, I think it might shake him up a little bit because it is a young team. And he was here with us last year. So just in terms of consistency and stability, I think there would be an initial shock factor. Right. Uh, I feel like a lot of our guys, a lot of the young guys have bonded with Lou. So they would definitely miss him. And it would be the first time they have experienced something like that in the NBA, besides Mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant retiring. Right. Um, They haven't really had any of their teammates get traded who have been 
really important factors. So it would definitely be a slap in the face, and it might affect their play for a little while. That being said, that doesn't mean he's untouchable and off the table as far as trades. And also you have to weigh, okay, even if it does shake things up in the short term, would yeah. you would you grin and bear that for the chance of actually getting an asset instead of nothing in 2018 when he just walks? Absolutely. Or, you know, you have to weigh that as well. And, you know, this question comes from at Amar Stan, at A-M-A-R-S-T-A-N. And he's been adamant about, he has his own hashtag. It's called hashtag stay L23. He really loves Lou Williams. And I understand his point of view in terms of, and this is something we've admitted on the podcast, you know, trading Lou Williams would affect the chemistry. He's been good for the tutelage of these young players. And he's actually been a really good older brother to guys like D'Angelo Russell. We've seen him on backstage Lakers. Seems like a really cool guy. Um, and on court, he's been amazing this year. You know, the number one bench bench scorer, and he's been a, a big reason of why the Lakers have been in so many competitive and close games. That being said, and not to say we're on the tanking route or whatever, I honestly don't believe that if we traded Lou Williams for a high upside young player or even a draft pick in the 18 to 24 range, that yes, we take a hit, but I don't think it would be a seismic hit to the point where we're regretting this moment. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. look, at the end of the day, these guys are all young. They're all competitive. In fact, the opposite might happen, especially with Jordan Clarkson, who he's like, oh man, I, m- I miss my buddy Lou, but I have more opportunity now and more minutes coming my way to continue to grow and improve my game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a benefit there just by moving Lou Williams and making it easier for Luke and the rotation. And also, like I said, I mean, the biggest thing here is assessing value, right? You don't want to be left at the end of 2017-18 season with Lou Williams and a decision of whether or not to pay this guy $13 million or just have him leave you for nothing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's some value in him finishing out the season and continuing to tutor the guys in the 2017-18 season. But I think given how well we've drafted even in the second half of the draft and what we've been able to do with the number 27th pick in Larry Nance and, you know, us being able to trust the scouting of our team, Ryan West and whatnot. I think it would be very valuable to see what you can get for Lou Williams now. And if you can actually get a valuable asset in the respect of a number 18 to 24 pick in this stacked first round of this year's draft, along with maybe another young upside player that you could use down the, down the line. Mm-hmm. I think you could get the best of both worlds, right? Because you get some of the developing that Lou's already done for the guys this year, but also extend that value to the future. For me, it's all about extending value. And I, you know, obviously I recognize what he means to the culture, chemistry, and all that stuff. I just don't think it'll be seismic the way that at Amar Stan feels like it'll be. So for me, I'd put the percentage at, I still would prefer to trade Lou for valuable pieces that, you know, and I want to reiterate that value. I'm yeah, not going to trade, I'm not going to trade Lou Williams for the 29th pick. And that's all we're getting. You know what I mean? Right. We're going to have to get value and high upside potential for the future, young guys, et cetera, et cetera. So, so yeah, for me, I'd still lean towards 60, 40. I'd be willing to trade Lou. And so I guess, I only think it'll be a 40% kind of a bad effect on the guys. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you had anything else to add. If it happened tomorrow, I think my first thought would be that I I do feel kind of bad for the young guys just because Mm -hmm. they, they probably do view him as a big brother at this point. And I I think Luke would miss him a lot too, actually, Um, because he does have that veteran presence and a guy like 
Luol Deng would probably miss him a lot. Um, so chemistry-wise, again, I think there would be some negative short-term effects. Sure. But, I mean, you, not everything's perfect. <laughs> you know, you got to cut your losses. And uh, if it's better in the long run and he was meant to, to be here for parts of two seasons and it, it was beneficial then i think you have to be satisfied with that and also in our history there have been many times when lakers fans have bemoaned not getting anything out of some players you know what i mean yeah. namely guys like dwight howard we didn't get anything for dwight howard pal gasol we didn't get anything for dwight uh, pal gasol even a guy like jordan hill we got nothing for him so in a case like this where lou williams actually has legitimate value i think it would be very smart of Mitch to at least explore what that value is. You know what I mean? And he's yep. going to make a smart decision. So for me, if Mitch made made that trade happen, you know, I would be fine with it. Like I said, there are going to be some things that Luke will have to smooth over with the team. But I, if there's any type of culture and coaching staff that can handle how to communicate a loss like Lou will to the team, I think it would be Luke and his staff, you know, yeah. and them painting it in a bright picture for the guys like, Hey, I know we lost a, a great guy in Lou who really helped out our team, but this just means more opportunity for all of you and more opportunity to step up. And so that's why I'm confident in that respect that even if there is a time where the Lakers have to adjust and they're kind of having to find their bearings again, that they'd be able to do that with Luke and this coaching staff. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And, be, and because people our age, you know, millennials or whatever, you know, we're all into caring about each other and relationships and community, right? You could also tell the players, look, he just got traded to a contender. Um, you got to be happy for him that he'll have a chance to play for a ring on right. blank team, right? So if you spin it that way, it could help those guys kind of move through that process of, of grieving, so to speak. And then, I mean, lastly, in terms of the actual on-court basketball play, you know, Luke's, I mean, Lou has played very well this year, you know, but yeah. how much, how much worse are we going to be if we trade Lou? I don't think it's going to be, we're going to tank, you know, do you think that if we traded Lou, the guys would get the impression that we're tanking all of a sudden? No. Yeah, no, exactly. I don't think so. I think the guys are a little more confident in their skills and themselves to know that we're a better team than to tank. And even if we trade Lou Williams, there's a way to communicate to this guy and these guys in a very open way. Like, Hey, this is why we're doing this. You know, I could imagine Mitch or even the coaching staff being transparent with the guys and saying, of course, this is not a tank move guys. We're just trying to get value and you're getting a new teammate or a, if it's a new dra- if it's a draft pick, you're going to get another guy who's going to be part of the core. What what this really means, there's a way to spin this too, right? What this really means is we're, we want to give you guys more opportunity while also setting the franchise up in the future uh, with better opportunities to win. And that's by getting assets, you know? So yeah. I think they could say it that way and the guys would be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Let's ball, you know? Of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I definitely don't think trading Lou would be an indication to anybody that we're tanking or that we're trying to tank. It's just more so about obtaining assets and value while we can, because this is the highest lose value is ever going to be. Like we said, because next year he's going to be an expiring contract. And at that point you're asking a team to take him on and give up something of value. Yeah. And he's going to leave and he's going to leave and, <laughs> or, or they're going to have to pay him $15 million. Yeah, you know, right, so right. that's, that's tough. Uh, and then at that point he's going to be 32, 33, you know, so yeah, with that said, Amar Stan, we agree with you. There's gonna, it's gonna be a definite shakeup. There are gonna be some negative effects to the culture and just the on-court play. But are they gonna be Titanic-like destruction levels? Or I don't even know what I'm saying with that term. But <laughs> <laughs> is it gonna be like the Titanic sinking? No. Too too soon. Too soon. 
<laughs> okay, so with that said, uh, yeah, we somehow were able to fit in 40 minutes. You know, we, we came hey. into this podcast saying like, hey, you want to make this 20 minutes? <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> but we somehow were able to do it. Uh, we will catch you guys again next time. Hope you enjoyed this uh, random podcast where we just kind of talked about everything but the actual Lakers game. But given the last two games, I'm sure none of you guys mind. So with that said, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more whispering bedtime stories Uncle P is going to be giving to his little son because Uncle Gilbert wants to sleep. Uh, so yeah we will catch you guys later also follow us on our blog talk radio page blogtalkradio.com slash lakers dash legacy Alan I'll catch you later man see you later also um, good night guys keep it keep, keep it chill y'all swaggy Uncle P you're waking me up son <laughs> hey, man, hey, hey, hey man I'm sorry I'm sorry alright be quiet be quiet alright later guys see ya peace There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions! More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is what Flo from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more cake! Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.